0: And now open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 16. Able now to resume our series in the book of Leviticus. And we'll be looking for the next few weeks through uh, this 16th chapter. I'll read the whole chapter for us this morning. And so if you will, please give your full attention But in this way, Aaron shall come to into the holy place with a bull from a herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body, for he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering, And one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, And two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel and because of the transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horn's Of the altar all around, and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, and the tent of meeting, and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute for you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do do no work either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever, and the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest In his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute for you forever for you. That atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. The grass withers. And the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may be seated. The purpose of the tabernacle was to provide a dwelling place for the Lord so that he might commune with his people. Not only was it called the Lord's dwelling place, but it was also called the tent of meeting because it was where God and his people met together. And this was only possible through the grace of God. He is holy, yet his people, Israel, were sinners. God was gracious to them and provided them with a means to draw near to him at the tabernacle. And the means that he gave them was the sacrificial blood of animals. The animals would die in the place of the sinful Israelites. However, there were certain sins which would bring immediate death To the Israelites, not allowing them any time to make sacrifice to cover their sins. For example, if any Israelite besides the high priest attempted to enter into the most holy place of the tabernacle, or if the high priest even attempted to do this on any other day but the day of atonement, they would immediately be put to death. Another example... And this one more significant to our purposes this morning is if anyone with an uncleanness upon them attempted to approach the holy realm, wherever the tabernacle was set up was the holy realm. If they attempted to approach the holy realm with an uncleanness upon them, they would die. No uncleanness could enter the holy realm, that is, could enter into the tabernacle precincts without dying. The problem with approaching the tabernacle while being unclean is that it profaned or defiled the dwelling place of God. And that is why Nadab and Abihu died back in chapter 10. Now, all of this tells us, I think, why Moses structured the back end of this first half of the book of Leviticus the way that he did. In chapter 9, let us uh, rehearse what we've been through, beginning in chapter 9. There we have the very first worship service at the tabernacle. And then in chapter 10... At the very same worship service, Nadab and Abihu profaned the holy dwelling place of God by attempting to bring strange or foreign fire before the Lord. And they are immediately put to death. Now, their dead bodies, which were then unclean, being dead, were laying in the holy realm. And so two things needed to be communicated to Israel on account of this. First, they needed to know what makes someone unclean and therefore unable to draw near to God at the tabernacle. What are those uncleannesses which they must withhold from? This explains why chapters 11 through 15 lists all the clean and unclean laws following chapter 10, following that chapter where Nadab and Abihu died. So that's the first thing they needed to know. What were the clean and unclean laws? Secondly, they needed to know what to do if and when the tabernacle became defiled, just as it had by the dead bodies of Nadab and Abihu. Therefore, in chapter 16, we have the Day of Atonement, which seeks to restore the tabernacle from its defiled state. That brings us to the first few verses of our chapter this morning, which says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they drew near before the Lord and died, and the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. You see the connection here, how he's drawing our minds back to their deaths. He's telling us, Here's here's now the, the legislation, here's now the the procedure that you need to undertake when the tabernacle has become defiled. Now, speaking about these verses, Michael Morales writes, The opening verse of Leviticus 16 immediately brings the reader back to the events of Leviticus 10. The Day of Atonement ritual is revealed on the same day as the deaths of Nadab and Abihu, so that in point of fact, the remedy for this grave defilement is revealed immediately, end quote. Now, hopefully that helps you kind of see uh, what's been uh, transpiring throughout the book of Leviticus. And when you read through it, sometimes, uh, you know, those of you who have a daily reading of the Bible throughout Scripture, you get to Leviticus and, and you think to yourself, it's just legislation after legislation, law after law, over and over again. But actually... Uh, there is a bit of a narrative to it at times and hopefully that helps you uh, to read it and understand it a little better. Now there's obviously several aspects to the Day of Atonement and it is a long chapter and so we'll look at it from different angles over the next few weeks. I mean there is The aspect of the cleansing of God's house. There's also the aspect of cleansing God's people. And the aspect of judgment as well, just to name a few things. We tend to think about the cleansing of God's people. We think of the Day of Atonement. The day in which their sins are covered, are atoned for. The removal of their sin. And we will, Lord willing, take up that more specifically next week. But this morning we will focus on the cleansing of God's household. The cleansing of the tabernacle. In fact, this was really the primary focus of the Day of Atonement. Purging the dwelling place of God from all of the pollution caused by Israel's sins and uncleannesses. They didn't have to enter all the way into The most holy place with an uncleanness on them to pollute God's holy sanctuary. That was certainly a defilement that would bring immediate death to them. But their sins and uncleannesses polluted the tabernacle simply because they dwelled near the tabernacle. Pointed that out in our text. The tabernacle sat in the middle of the camp of Israel. And so the people surrounded the tabernacle and polluted it with their uncleannesses. The purpose of the day of atonement was to restore the tabernacle to its pristine state so that God would continue to dwell with his people and be their God. Now, in order for Aaron, the high priest, to cleanse the tabernacle, he first had to make atonement for his own sins. If he attempted to enter into the most holy place in the presence of the Lord without making atonement for his own sins, he himself would die. And so his first steps were to bathe himself Put on the holy garments. And then he would go before the Lord and offer a bull as a sin offering, both for himself and for his household. And then he would take the blood of the bull into the most holy place to sprinkle it upon the mercy seat where God sat enthroned, where the holy Shekinah presence of the Lord sat enthroned. But he would not do this without first taking some burning coals from the altar that was out in the courtyard and then add some incense to it from the altar of incense in the holy place and allow that incense to to burn upwards and to fill the most holy place once he entered into past that curtain into the most holy place, allowing the smoke to cover the area so that his eyes did not see directly that holy presence of the Lord. You remember Moses went on the the mountain, uh, wanted to see God's glory, but he said, you cannot see my face. You cannot see me, but allowed him, you know, in some sense to see his back, uh, Moses would have died. It's the same here for Aaron. He cannot see the holy presence of the Lord. His eyes could not see it, but had to be veiled from it. And so this is, in part, what the incense was meant to accomplish. And so the cloud of incense veiled the glory before Aaron's eyes so that he could approach And then sprinkle the mercy seat with the blood of the bull in order to make atonement for his own sins. Now this first step allowed him then to properly cleanse the tabernacle as well as the people of God. He could then act as mediator. Do his functions as a mediator. Between God and the people. Now, both the tabernacle and the people were actually cleansed by the same process. Namely, the offering of the goat as a sin offering to make atonement. And this offering cleansed the people from their sins and their uncleannesses, which in turn cleansed the tabernacle from those same uncleannesses. You can see this clearly in verses 15 through 19. Listen as I read those verses again. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus, he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do For the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses, no one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. So the process of cleansing the tabernacle, you see, was from the inside out, beginning the most holy place, going out to the holy place and then out even unto the altar in the courtyard, cleansing this holy realm that has been defiled by the uncleannesses of Israel. Now, what we want to do is see the big picture of what's being symbolized here. God gave them these symbols, these types, these copies To teach them about heavenly matters. And we know that the tabernacle symbolized the whole of creation. That is it symbolized the whole cosmos. There were three parts to the tabernacle which corresponded to the three parts of the cosmos. There is the earth and then above it is the expanse that sits up in the skies, which separates heaven and earth. And so that third part we call the highest heavens, where the Lord sits enthroned above the earth. And the tabernacle being an architectural mountain, demonstrated that man's it demonstrated man's ascent up into heaven from earth to heaven when he enters into the courtyard for example Aaron the high priest when he entered into the courtyard he was beginning his ascent up the mountain towards heaven from the courtyard he goes into the holy place and from there he goes past that curtain And into the most holy place. This is like passing through the expanse up in the skies. Like like moving through a curtain and into the highest heavens where you find the very throne room of God. And so with this in view, the day of atonement was really promising a future day when the whole cosmos would be cleansed from its uncleanness due to sin. As he cleanses each part of the tabernacle, it was a symbol foretelling of a future cleansing of the whole world, of the whole cosmos. A curse had befallen the world, the whole cosmos, when Adam sinned in the garden. And all of our sins since then have further corrupted it, uh, profaned it or defiled it, making it all the more necessary for God to purge it from all of the uncleannesses that has resulted from man's sins. Morales writes, Ultimately, this annual purgation reiterates the need for a full and final cleansing, one that cannot be threatened or undone, For the covenant promise of humanity's communion and fellowship with God to be realized. Now, beloved, there is no one fit to accomplish this cosmic purgation but Jesus Christ, the God man, who is the great high priest. The author of Hebrews helps us to see that he is not only the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice. See, the animal sacrifices and the old covenant high priests were both types or symbols of which Christ himself accomplishes, of which he fulfills. He is the reality of those copies and shadows. He offers himself. And having made purification for our sins, he entered into the most holy place of heaven itself. Not into some earthly tabernacle, but into heaven itself in order to cleanse it from the defilement that was brought upon it by all our sins. The author of Hebrews speaks to this most clearly in chapter 9, the author is in this chapter making clear that in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and all its furnishings had to be purified or cleansed with blood. And then in verse 23, he says, Thus it was necessary for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. In other words, if the tabernacle on earth, which was a copy of heaven, that most holy place especially being a copy of heaven, if it needed the blood of bulls and goats to cleanse or purify it, then would not heaven itself need a better sacrifice? Let me ask it this way. Would it not need blood that was more worthy than the blood of animals? And the answer that the author wants us to recognize is, of course, Yes, it needed better blood, a better sacrifice. And Christ was that better sacrifice. He offered up his own blood in order to cleanse his people. In order to cleanse the most holy place of heaven itself. Which had been defiled by the sins of mankind. You see, that's where Christ is now interceding for us in heaven at the right hand of God upon the mercy seat. Where after his crucifixion and resurrection ascended up into heaven and sprinkled the mercy seat, the throne of grace with his own blood. And now, beloved, we only wait for Christ to return from heaven. Just as the high priest in the Old Testament would come back through the veil and return to the people waiting outside the tabernacle, that is where we are. We are waiting for our great high priest to return to us. And that is our hope. Christ, who is behind the curtain and sits enthroned in heaven, will return for us with a fully cleansed cosmos. and We will dwell with him in a new heavens and a new earth where only righteousness dwells and no sin can enter. He is the only hope for mankind. I want you to think of it this way. You, my friends, will either be cleansed along with the cosmos or the cosmos will be cleansed of you. And what I mean is that every sinner who has not been united to Christ by faith will be removed from this cleansed cosmos and will only experience the wrath of God Forever in hell. The only way to escape the wrath of God against your sins. Is to trust in the work of atonement. Accomplished by his son. Which cleanses you from all your sins. And looking at what we've just explored. I want to take. I want you to take two things from this. First, I exhort you to rest in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. And do not for a second believe that you need to add anything to that sacrifice. Sometimes we may feel like we need to contribute something to our salvation. But thinking that way actually implies that Christ's blood was not sufficient to pay for the debt that we owe due to sin. When we try to add to our salvation by good works, we are saying that Christ's blood does not possess the worth needed to set us free from our sin. Now, sadly, many, very many have stumbled over this and cheapened the grace given to us by God in Christ Jesus. Now, don't Misunderstand me, we should aim to please the Lord with our good works. And they can certainly strengthen the assurance of our salvation since they are fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. But they do not add one single thing to your salvation. We cannot contribute to the finished atonement accomplished by Christ. And so by faith, rest in the accomplished work of Christ who shed his blood to make you clean. That's the first thing. Secondly, I exhort you, as does scripture, to draw near to God in heaven through the intercession of Jesus, our great high priest. He is at the mercy seat in heaven, and you now have access to God through Him. Old covenant worship, beloved, was earthly. God dwelled in the earthly tabernacle, and Aaron would draw near to Him on behalf of the people. But in the new covenant, our worship is heavenly. Christ has drawn near. To the Father, and you now have access to the throne of God in the holy place of heaven. Did you notice that before Aaron entered the most holy place, he would take incense and put it in that censer? And the incense that rose up, of course, had to veil his eyes. But it also symbolized, according to the book of Revelation, the prayers of the saints rising up to God. Aaron would intercede for Israel and bring their prayers before God at the mercy seat. But Christ, beloved, has given you access to approach the throne of grace in heaven, where you can bring your prayers through the intercession of Christ directly to the throne in heaven. And so let us hear the exhortation given to us by the author of Hebrews in chapter 10. He writes, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great Priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Beloved, that is not an exhortation to prepare yourself to someday draw near to God in the holy places of heaven. It is an exhortation to draw near to God even now by your prayers, by your worship, which Christ, our great high priest, makes accessible through his mediation at the mercy seat. To him be all praise and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God and Father... We thank you for the atonement accomplished by Christ, which covers our sins. And we we thank you that Christ has provided for us his robe of righteousness, that we might not only have the forgiveness of our sins, but also bear the very righteousness of Christ because it is credited to us. Through his accomplished work and by the Spirit who applies this work to us. And we pray, O God, that we would be diligent in utilizing the very access that's been made available to us in Christ. That we might often draw near to your holy throne. In heaven. That we might cast all of our cares before you there. That we might worship before you there, giving you the praise and the glory that you so deserve. And we pray also, Lord, that we would seek to please you in all that we do. Not in order to be saved, but because we want to give you thanks that we have been saved. By the work and only the work of Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen.